with over 1.9 billion professing believers of this religion. It is what many people believe to be the greatest threat to Christians around the world. And tragically, because of this and the adherence of the religion committing many of the practices found in their holy books, some have grown apprehensive from sharing the truth of the gospel with these men and women who contradict God's word. This religion is none other than Islam and its followers known as Muslims. The Good Fight Radio Show. Welcome back to The Good Fight Radio Show. I'm your host, Chad Davidson of Good Fight Ministries. And on today's episode, we're going to be looking at how we may witness to our Muslim neighbors. And this is a special edition episode because tomorrow night will be the end of Ramadan. So this is an excellent time to not only be praying for, but also witnessing to your Muslim neighbor. And with me to discuss this very, very important topic is none other than the president and founder of Good Fight Ministries and pastor of Blessed Hope Chapel in Simi Valley, California, Pastor Joe Schimmel. Yeah, Chad, this is such a huge uh, subject. We have over a billion people uh, on earth. That's a huge, uh, massive part of the population, well over a billion now, that claim to be Muslim and believe that they're hopefully in their minds going to heaven and believing that Jesus Christ is not the Son of God and that he didn't die for their sins. And it's absolutely heartbreaking and we need to reach people and do what we can. And you and myself have exposed Islam for many years and we've witnessed to a lot of Muslims on the streets. And by the grace of God, we have some experience and uh, we're actually in our ministries in connection with people that are, and the church has been in the past have come out of Islam or dealing with coming out of Islam and so forth. So we want to be here uh, to share with you great ways to witness and bring them to Christ. And I think you're going to see in this episode, uh, we can go a lot of different angles, but a couple different angles that I think will be really helpful uh, for you to share Christ with your Muslim friends. Amen. And this is one of those topics, as Joe mentioned, and, and this goes right alongside with, and this is why we're doing this, because we want to be able to give you guys different examples on how to share the gospel with every creed, with every belief, with every false system. And the Bible actually describes this. It's one of my favorite texts in terms of witnessing, and it actually comes from Colossians chapter 4. It ultimately starts at verse 2, making sure we guard ourselves with prayer and thanksgiving. But these two verses Mm -hmm. together, I, I really want to have on your heart when it comes to every one of these Wednesday episodes we've been coming out with regarding how to witness to X, Y, and Z person. And this is what it says. Conduct yourself with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Let your speech always be with grace as though seasoned with salt so that you will know how you should respond to each person. And the truth is, you're going to hear today on this episode how one way to share the gospel, and then Joe's going to share another way on how to share the gospel. And guys, these aren't cookie-cutter things. We have different ways that God works in people's hearts. So we want to try to give you guys a couple of examples. And as Joe had, has already mentioned, this has been so much of the lifeblood of the ministry has always been sharing the gospel. But I know for myself, Joe, when you first took me out, discipling me, showing me how to share the gospel, those who I came in contact with, yeah, the new atheists were pretty popular at the time and I was coming out of atheism. But honestly, their arguments were so boring and, and terrible. But it was really fun to start sharing with Muslims yeah. because— I'm a passionate person, you're a passionate person, and one of the cool things about sharing with Muslims, and I want you guys to be encouraged by this, is they'll actually have the conversation. 
Yeah. And I, what I loved about it was they actually want to go back and forth. And I'm like, well, this is great. It is so awesome to be all things to all people. And you'll start to realize that it's entirely different. That The meaning of that text isn't just simply, oh, well, you know, we can never, you know, be excited about something or we have to do it this way or that way. And that's not always the case. And Joe, we've interviewed a number of scholars on the topic, whether it's Dr. Bernie Power, Dr. David Wood, Dr. Jay Smith, uh, Gordon Nickel as well. So we've done a number of interviews with experts on Islam and they do a great job and they showcase different things. And Joe, when we went out to Holland and we were out sharing the gospel and we met with a ministry out there and I was like, hey, I'm sharing the gospel all the time out on Thursday where you were taking us to share the gospel. And I'm like, I'm sharing the gospel with Muslims all the time. And I'm like, you know, what verses should I have memorized? How should I share? What what should I be sharing with them from the Quran? And I thought I was going to get these profound answers, which I have by a number of different scholars that we've talked to, Joe, and not yourself as well, who studied the topic for a long time. And I was like, kind of dumbfounded because she's like, well, tell them about your prayer life. Tell them what it's like to actually have a relationship with the one true God, because many of them, and if you guys don't know this, when you're talking with a Muslim, Many of the times you talk to them, what they're going to say is, is when you're asking them if they follow, because plenty of people say they're Christian too, that are nowhere near a blood bought believer, right? So one of the ways to figure out if they actually are a Muslim, so to speak, is do you say the prayers? And so many of them are saying these prayers that are never getting answered because they're not praying to the one true God. And so it is a heartbreaking thing, but that kind of instilled in me while I was memorizing so much of what the Quran was saying, chapter 9, the chapter of the sword, and and some of the more heinous verses that you find in the Quran, or Surah 434 about beating wives, and, and so forth. I thought, but instead of doing that, there's also a heart issue here that we need to get to. And that kind of gave me the impetus with this track that we just, praise the Lord, finally were able to finish. It is called The Prodigal Muslim. And you can hear a recorded version of this. We've done this on a couple different shows, but... I, I want to give you uh, just a quick synopsis of it so that Joe can share his angle as well of one of the ways he likes to share. And one of the things that you'll find when sharing Muslim is they actually learn a lot in story form. Now, that's true for all of us, and I believe that's why Jesus spoke in parables, because it's much easier to convey truth via story that we remember and start to implement those things in our mind than simply just random sayings. And because of that, I tried to write this track in a way that can share the story of the prodigal son. And the reason for that is because a Muslim doesn't believe that someone can become a child of God. They do not believe, as John 1.12 clearly states, that all those who believe have the right to become children of God and that we who are adopted as sons cry out, Abba, Father. They believe that the only thing you could ever be is a servant. And in fact, For those who love the Bible, love what Scripture teaches, love what Jesus teaches, you know that in the prodigal son, that's exactly the mentality of the one who had given up or gotten his inheritance and ran away from his father. That was his mentality. So I try to tell that story without stating yet that it's Scripture until we get into right after that. And after telling the story so they get a good understanding, and by the way, many of the Muslims you'll run into if you're here in America— are not following the teachings of the Quran. They're not actually adhering to those teachings and they're drinking and they're smoking and they're sleeping around. And so they know, and I'm telling you this because Joe, your own daughter told me this when she was in school, that she was told by her classmates because she 
took Islam in college by her classmates who were Muslim that if they were home, they would be killed even. They would, they would be shunned, they would be mm-hmm. killed. And in this case, guys, it is so important to get that across to them that we get to be children of God, and that's a reality. That's a truth that's been said by, by Jesus himself. And so one of the things that I go into after telling that story is Surah 5.26 and Surah 57.27, both of which says in the Quran, by the way, that the very injil, that the gospel has actually been given by Allah. And the reason for that is because we want to make sure they understand, hey, the the Quran itself actually says the Bible's been inspired. The Quran itself actually says it will be preserved because Allah's word cannot be corrupted and Allah is the one who gave us this. So I bring that up and then this is exactly what it says. It says, interesting enough, the repentant plea initially prescribed by the brother is described over and over again in the Quran. And according to Surah 518 and Surah 19, 92 through 93, he was right in believing that he will only ever be accepted as a servant and would never be accepted as a family member. One could easily understand how he could come to such a conclusion. He has done evil in his father's sight. He has squandered everything that his father had given him. And to simply be a servant shows you the graciousness and the compassion of a father who has been wronged. But how does Jesus actually end this story? How does he describe how this disobedient child will live out his days? And in Luke 15, 20 through 24, it says, He got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fattened calf. Kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found and they began to celebrate. And now, Joe, one of the things that happens in the track and one of the things we bring out is not only the love of of God the Father and actually being a father and welcoming Mm. us as sons because of the blood of Jesus Christ— but also the fact that as a Muslim, you cannot have assurance because yeah. Muhammad himself did not have assurance. In fact, even in the Hadith, which uh, even Sahih al-Bahari, which are the accepted Hadiths universally, unless there's Quran-only Muslims, which is really hard to find. Bukhari. Yeah, it's really hard to find. But you look at it and these accepted Hadiths, you'll see where Muhammad is scared when the weather's bad because he's wondering, oh no, it's going to be my day and I'm going to be judged just like everyone else. And so they can't have assurance, but we get full assurance. For those who are in Christ, we are a new creation. Mm-hmm. For Amen. those who are in Christ, neither height nor depth nor principality nor power nor rulers or authorities, nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So all of that is just to say they have a works-based religion. You could you could obviously talk to them about that and the fact that we do not have a works-based religion. We have a sin that was paid for, <laughs> understanding of the atonement that Jesus paid for our sins. And you guys can check out the rest of the track. We'll put a link in, in the description and a couple of links of where we have a more audio base. You can hear the whole thing as well and the article. But but Joe, I think there is a real heart of the matter. And not everyone will this, this is going to be the thing that's going to break open their eyes and let them see this. But I think there is an importance about getting to the heart of the matter and the reality that they've Amen. lessened who God is because they don't make him as loving as he is. And 
they don't make him as righteous as he truly is because he has dealt with sin when he dealt with it on the cross. Amen. And the track's right here, and I know it's my turn, but Chad did a great job. He's being humble and modest. This is such a well-written track. It's so warm and loving, and see, it just blessed my heart to know that we'll get in the hands of Muslims. So uh, you can, we, we, this is in our resource section. If you want to grab that, it's an, an amazing track. And uh, another angle uh, that I'd like to use for years and years and years. And I just thought when I started looking at Islam, I thought, wow, it's pretty crazy because it's a Johnny-come-lately world religion. It came about 600 years after, after Christ. And uh, scholars admit they imported Judaism. They imported aspects of a lot of Christianity. They changed Jesus, who he is, but they brought him in. Uh, Muhammad claimed to be the apostle of this gospel. Uh, they even took eclectically Muhammad uh, and his followers drew from Gnostic writings. It's a hodgepodge. It's just a bunch of lies and just being true. And uh, one of the ways I like to go about it, Chad, and you've seen me do this on the streets, and uh, I think it's an effective way to witness to them, is Muslims don't like to be lied to. In fact, a lot of Muslims will talk about in their culture, there's a lot of lying. But the, and, you know, it's like fallen culture. That's the way the world is as well. But they don't like to be lied to. And then I kind of set them up by saying, to, to get them to really think, I, I mentioned to them, I go, what if your dad, and you knew it was your dad and your mom, they took off for a long period of time, they're going to come back on a certain day. And they warned you that there would be an imposter stating that he was your dad when he came back and he was going to lead you astray. What would you do? Would you have your eyes open to make sure you didn't get caught by the imposter? And of course, they'll say, yeah, well, of course. And then I say, well, how do you know that the true God, the God who created you, did not warn you about a coming imposter and you're following the imposter. Then I give them the scenario and I mention to them, uh, and it's not in any specific order, but it's kind of basically in this order. Uh, in 2 Corinthians 11, uh, why warn them that the one true God, Muhammad came 600 years after the closing of the canon of scripture and uh, about 600 years. And that one true God revealed who he is and revealed his plan for salvation. And I mentioned that that one God warned about imposters, and he warned as the serpent beguiled Eve in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, that there'd be false Christ, or there'd be those teaching a false Christ, a, a, a false gospel, a different spirit. And it warns that there'd be a false apostles, because Muhammad claims to be the apostle of the gospel. And Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, that these false apostles would arise and such are false, false apostles disguise themselves into ministers of righteousness. And it says, no wonder for Satan himself disguised himself in a, as an angel of light. They believe in Satan. They believe in the demons. They call jinn and they believe there's deceivers. And I state, what if Muhammad was possibly a false apostle? And I encourage them. I say, hey, you know, Muhammad wrote because he wanted to make it look, because this was a new book, the Quran. He wanted to make it look like it was basically came after the Bible and the final revelation and he was the greatest prophet. I go, in the Quran, he says, ask the people of the book for confirmation. And I go, we're the folks, we're the people of the book. You're supposed to be asking me for confirmation. In fact, Muhammad said, you're supposed to ask me for confirmation of what he said was true or not. And I'm here to say to you that you are believing in an imposter. And what I like to do when I'm sharing with them is let them know that Muhammad had claimed that it was the angel Gabriel that had appeared to him and revealed to him the Quran. And when this angel Gabriel appeared, he did not believe it was the angel Gabriel at all. He said he was being choked. He said uh, it, it felt like he was trying to kill him. You ever read this of biblical prophets? And he was foaming at the mouth on the ground and put a sheet over him, uh, a blanket over him. Uh, he went to his wife and, uh, and told her what's going on and 
and he was suicidal. And I can quote from pro-Muhammad books, Muhammad, the man of his faith. He choked me with a cloth until I believed that I should die. Then he released me and said, recite. So this entity is choking him, telling him to recite. And he goes to Khadija, his, his wife, and tells her, you know what? Uh, I'm possessed, you know? And she's like, no, it's the angel Gabriel that's speaking to you. He would go to a mountainside, wanted to throw himself off the mountainside and commit suicide because he believed he was a possessed poet. And I've got all kinds of quotes from that to that end, uh, which I'm not going to quote all those because I want to get to more and more scripture. But it's interesting. What I do is I state, what did this Jabril, as the Muslim call him, or Gabriel say to Muhammad? What did he teach him? Guess what he taught him about Jesus? That Jesus was another prophet and he did do miracles, okay? And he was an amazing prophet, but not on the level of Muhammad. And that Jesus basically was not the son of God and that Jesus did not die for our sins and that Christians are wrong about that and they're wrong to exalt him as the son of God, believing that he paid for their sins and to do so was idolatry. And his doctrine was turning people away from the Lord Jesus Christ. I said, now, let's look at what Jabril really said, or Gabriel really said, and then I take them to Daniel chapter 9, because Gabriel only speaks twice in all of Scripture, in Daniel 9, once in the Old Testament, and once in the New Testament, in Luke, in the Gospel of Luke chapter 1. Listen to what Gabriel says, and I share this with Muslims in chapter 9 of the book of Daniel, written a thousand years, more than a thousand years before this other angel claims to be Gabriel, which is definitely not the same angel. Listen to what he says. While I was speaking in prayer, Gabriel, whom I had seen in a vision previously. Now, this is Daniel, not Muhammad. It's over a thousand years later. The prophet Daniel, who in, oh, you see all of his pro- so many of his prophets already came to pass. While I was speaking in prayer, Gabriel, who I had seen in the vision previously, he gave me instruction and talked with me and said, Oh, Daniel, after 62 weeks, and that was after 70, 62 weeks, and I don't have time to get that prophecy. The Messiah, and they admit that Christ is, or Christ is the Messiah, Jesus is the Messiah. The Messiah will be cut off. That's a technical term for executed. And they don't believe Jesus was executed. In fact, a lot of Muslims believe that, you know, Judas was crucified in his place. And I go, look, the, this, this, this Gabriel, the biblical Gabriel says he would be cut off. He would be executed contrary to the Gabriel that comes later. And then I remind them the scenario I gave them. You have this original revelation of your dad and he warned you, and now you get this false revelation. You should have a heads up. Well, guess what? The one true God who made you gave this this revelation. And now they have the denial that he is indeed the son of God, right? That, oh, but Jesus, he didn't die for our sins and he's not the son of God. And we go Daniel 9, he won't die for his own sins, but he dies for our sins. But you go to Luke chapter one and guess what? Gabriel appears for the second time in scripture. Okay, at least by name. We only see him twice. And it's in Luke 1, he appears to Mary. And guess what he tells her? I think this is so powerful, so beautiful. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee uh, called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. The angel said to her, that is Gabriel, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bury a son, And you shall name him Jesus, which by the way means God saves, right? And he, Gabriel says to Mary, he will be great and he will be called the son. Listen to what he'll be called. The Gabriel says to Mary, he'll be called the son of the most high. They don't believe that Allah can have any kind of son. And guess what? They're they're right because Allah isn't the true God, okay? But 
he will be great and he will be called the son of the most high, says Gabriel to Mary. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of David forever and his kingdom will have no end. Now, this is really astonishing when you think about this because I let them know, I go, look, this Gabriel, the true Gabriel. Now, why would this Gabriel that comes a thousand years after Daniel, more than a thousand, 600 years after Christ, claim to be Gabriel and contradict what this Gabriel had said? And then when I point out to them that guess what? God's word warns that there would be other angels like a false Gabriel that would seek to deceive you from the true path of eternal life. And what I do is I warn that in the book of Galatians, God reveals to the apostle Paul that there is this work system, which Paul sees going on in a church that he administered to, who were saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, the son of God, who was cursed in their place for them, bearing their sins as the son of God. And he warns the church of Galatia about these Judaizers that come teaching that you have to keep the law of Moses to be saved. Isn't it interesting? This Gabriel that comes, right, preaches you have to be saved by this Quranic law, right? And you're not saved through Christ. Very similar kind of situation. And Paul says to Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Right in that verse right there, you have both the two things they deny. He gave himself up for me. He died for me. Christ's death on the cross. That's in Galatians 2.20. And he's the son of God, all in one verse. In fact, Paul says to the Galatians in chapter 3, verse 1, who has bewitched you? Who has put a spell on you to blind them to, to the gospel of Jesus Christ? Then I take them to Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. And I go, look at this warning. He warns that an angel could come and bring a different gospel to you than the fact that Jesus is the Son of God who gave himself for your sins. And that's exactly what happened to Muhammad, who felt he was demon-possessed and wanted to commit suicide and was concerned it wasn't really, truly Jibreel. That's why I believe, Chad, that when the weather was bad and he was fearing death, he knew deep down he was probably a false prophet, okay? Yeah. And that was being pointed out, but they were butchering people left and right, even more so after he died, right? Then I take him to Galatians 1, 6 through 8, where Paul says, I marvel the church of Galatia, uh, that you're so quickly being removed from him who has called you into the grace of life to another gospel, which is really not another, but it's a different gospel. Then he says, if we, the apostles, including the apostle Paul, or an apostles, right? Or an angel from heaven preaches another gospel to you than that which he preached unto you, let him be accursed. And then he says again, I say it again to you. Someone preached another gospel than that which we preached you, let him be accursed, anathematized, eternally condemned. That's very, very serious. If you're, if you're a Muslim, you better start taking this seriously because this Gabriel, we're the people in the book you're supposed to ask. We're saying, no, we're looking at the original revelation because God loves you. If you're, if you're a Muslim, he loves you. He wants you to hear this truth. He doesn't want you to be deceived any longer. He wants you to know the true Christ of the scripture, the one who loves you, who gave himself for you so you can be set free from your sins. Otherwise, you're in your sins because you can never do enough good works to, to save you from the bad works you've done. In fact, Chad makes such a great point in that track that he wrote uh, talking about no court of law would say, okay, I've done some good things, therefore killing my mom, whoever you killed, you're off the hook. No, someone has to pay the price. And the Lord Jesus Christ paid the price in your place. And I share that with them. And Chad, I share with them that in Hebrews 1, 13 and 14, the Bible says God makes his angels ministering spirits. So these, these angels are ministering spirits. But John says in 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, he warns about a different spirit. He warns about testing the spirits to make sure they're of God. In 1 John chapter 2, verses 20 through 22, he warns about the spirit of Antichrist that denies the Father and the Son. What in the world is Islam doing? They're denying the Father and Son relationship. 
that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus, Father said at Jesus' baptism, read it. It's Matthew chapter 3. This is my beloved Son, whom I love. Jesus himself said in John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. First John 5, 12, He that has the Son has the life. He that does not have the Son does not have the life. Bottom line, Jesus, the Gabriel in the Bible, revealed that Jesus is the Son of God who died for our sins. Paul warns of a different angel of other angels preaching and false apostles that would do Satan's work as Satan's masquerades himself as angel light. His apostles would do the same. And what would they do? They would teach a different Jesus, a different gospel, and they'd be false apostles. And you have Muhammad claiming he's possessed early on, even when he commits suicide. It's boom, man. In the debate, no Muslim can stand against these truths because the word of God is the word of God. If you're Islamic, if you're Muslim, turn to Jesus Christ for eternal life now. If you're looking to witness to them, grab this track, uh, take notes, watch this again. These are very effective ways to witness to Muslims. Just let them know you love them. Let them know you're praying for them. Help them to see your passion for their souls and just love on them and continue to pray, cry out to God that they would be saved. Amen. Yeah, I, I think that one's so awesome because I, I watched Joe give that. It's a it's a long story. I don't have time to get all into it, but getting on the wrong train because uh, we relate to getting to our train and having a Muslim, a guy who had converted from Catholicism into Islam, stuck on a four-hour train ride with us. Cat's bodies we had. Yes, uh, and, and Joe, you gave that to him, and he, it, you know, light bulbs kind of went off for him, and, and that stuck in my head as well, which I think we do need to make that into a track as well, but that's for a, another day. Uh, but Joe, it, it's one of those things, and you had mentioned this already, uh, in terms of also just the fact that they, I, I think— when you look at Islam, they it's not they think it's righteousness. Well, God can just forgive anyone. And, and Joe, there's a story that I hope that this will bring this out, and this will be the last thing I, I share before just a couple of scriptures. But it's called the man who killed ninety nine. Now they write kids books for this, but I want to I want to read this story. This is from Sahih Al Bukhari, which is universally accepted pretty much in terms of the Quranic commentary. They, it would be almost be like an epistle. For us, comparative to the Quran being like a gospel, mm-hmm. okay? Just to give you guys kind of just a mentality that's a rough analogy but to, to make you understand. But this is their mindset in terms of forgiveness. And this is what Sahih al-Buhari, book 60, Hadith 137 says. It says, The Prophet said, Amongst the men of Benai Israel, there was a man who had murdered 99 persons. Then he set out asking whether his repentance could be accepted or not. He came upon a monk and asked him if his repentance could be accepted. The monk replied in a negative, and so he killed the man. So he really killed 100 people. So he kept on asking until the man advised to go to such and such village. So he left for it, but death overtook him on the way. While dying, he turned his chest towards that village where he had hoped his repentance would be accepted. And so the angels of mercy and the angels of punishment quarreled amongst themselves regarding him. Allah ordered the village towards which he was going to come closer to him and ordered the village whence he had come to go further away. And then he ordered the angels to measure the distances between his body and the two villages. So he was found to be one span closer to the village he was going and therefore he was forgiven. Now, Joe, I say all that because Islam teaches that our we will be weighed in the balance. Scales, yep. This is what it says in Surah 101, 8 through 11. It says, Then as to the ones whose scales are heavy with good deeds, he will receive a pleasant life, paradise. But as for the ones whose scales are light, his refuge will be an abyss, a fire intensely hot. But then when you see in Sahih al-Bukhari, 
that this man is forgiven just because Allah decides, let's make this a further distance that he traveled. You see that he's arbitrary, yeah. that he doesn't actually weigh There's out no these scales. Yeah. There's no real justice and no real assurance. But with Jesus, we heard the the words that G, we've read them and praise God for over 2,000 years. We've been able to read them. So over 600 years before uh, Muhammad ever stepped onto the scene, he that Jesus said to tell us die, our it sins were Amen. paid in full, that it is finished. And if you truly trust in Christ, your sins are bought and paid for. You, God is Amen. just to forgive us our sins because we are cleansed from all unrighteousness. And the fact is, is this story, which sounds really nice, nice for him, but what about all the men he killed as well? That's right. Praise yeah, the Lord. So, we love you guys. Amen. Press on in Jesus, man. God bless. You've been listening to The Good Fight Radio Show with pastor and author Joe Schimmel and host Chad Davidson discussing contemporary issues in light of the Bible and how they relate to family, culture, and the church. To learn more about Good Fight Ministries, visit us online at goodfight.org. Join our growing social media family and consider partnering with us at patreon.com slash goodfight.